The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Summer Camp, our recommended game of the week, discuss area control in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with the High Five Pirate Games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. What's happening, Doug? What do you got going on this weekend, man? What's new? What's good? Uh, lots of stuff going on. I'm going to be going fishing in Lake Michigan for salmon. Look at you. With, You're a renaissance man. Yeah, with my, with my brothers and my father. And there's probably going to be some straws being drawn to see... Who is first up in the rotation of catching fish? So for those of you that don't yeah, know. tell people about it. That, when you're fishing in Lake Michigan for salmon, you've got like 100 feet of line yep. on your pole going out. So it takes a while to crank that sucker in, and you're fighting it the whole time, all 100 feet. It now, can take like five to ten minutes. Remind me, does the boat move at, at all times or not? You kind of get to a spot and cast your line? or Yeah, you're not you, dropping an anchor. Yeah, yeah, you're just... Yeah. Yeah, so if that thing goes under the boat, you're, you yep. know, and it's pulling stuff out, and my my arms are like twigs, so they're going to snap. I'll give yourself a little more credit than so, that. So hopefully I'm at the end of the rotation, because you don't want to be the first guy, because if you catch, there's four of us, so yeah. if you catch the first fish and we catch five, yep. you're going a second time around. That sounds like And fun. nobody wants to do that. So what time do you get throw, on the water? What time do you get off the water? I think that nine, 9.30 to 3.30. Okay. So like five hours? Is that six hours? Six. six hours. I think yeah. that's six. If I'm Unless you that. catch your limit, then you're, you're okay. getting off the water. Oh, good for you. That'll be a good so, time. Bonding with family? Yeah, yeah. Good. All right. Have you played any games, though? The I important have. thing. I, I also have because of bonding with family. We did some traveling this weekend. I played a little bit of Hero Realms, the two-player deck builder uh, with my brother-in-law where we've played a lot of Star Realms against each other on our phones, but played Hero Realms. He absolutely loved it. Uh, played some Llama. Do you know who created Llama? Doug? I'm unfamiliar. Who Dr. would have Dr. Reiner Knizia. Oh, Dr. Reiner Knizia. Yes. He's not a sir yet, though, <laughs> not, right? Not, yeah, we're working on it. Just Richard we're, Garfield. We're, we're just working. Sir Richard Garfield. <laughs> maybe and if maybe if Reiner Kine- Dr. Reiner Knizia designs another 400 games, we can knight him I think officially. he'll have that done within three weeks, man. Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. I think he goes to the bathroom and <laughs> takes a notebook in there. He comes out with a new game design. 18 games. <laughs> Different names. Yeah. Same then, game. 18. <laughs> same game 18 easy times. Easy now. And Zombie Kids. We've been playing that one a lot. I know that's a recommended game of the week coming up. Um, and we're enjoying that as a family. Spoiler so, alert. Yeah. Well, got to <laughs> let people know what's coming, right? Yeah. All right. So anything else before been, we move on? Been doing some writing. Uh, you know we've got, we're working on a big project. We're working on a book. Top and secret. It is top secret, but now we're going to let the whole world know on July 30th. And it. You know, you and I have been working on this for several months, and it's at the point now where I'm actually telling people, 
like within my own family and other close friends. And they're like, you're working on a book. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it's a fun project. Now it's real. Nights, weekends, you know, whenever we can get a few words out. So Yeah, July 30th. That's my anniversary. Today is my anniversary. Congratulations. So am I going to come over and play board games? Or Probably. Yeah, yeah. Barbecue yeah. a, a brisket night. just for me? I don't even know where my wife's going to be. She'll be gone. She doesn't want to be around well, me. Happy anniversary today, yeah, 16 Doug. years. So Good that's exciting. You. All right. Let's move on to the recommended game of the week. Let's get after it. The recommended game of the week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection. And it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is Summer Camp by Buffalo Games. All right. Published this year, 2021. As of right now, it's a Target exclusive. The designer is Phil Walker Harding. Phil Walker Harding! Oh, he is probably getting close to a knighthood. Yeah, if I, rock star a, a in our house. Game, game schooler knighthood. What games has he done, Doug? Not, I'm not unfamiliar. Come on, you know him. Sushi Go. Silver and Gold. Sushi Baron Go. Park. This is the third recommended game of the week from, from him. The Phil Walker Harding. All right, well, it's knocking out of the park. 10% of our recommended games of the week. All right, back to you. <laughs> Art is by Adam Grayson. Two to four players, 30 to 45 minutes to play, ages 10 and up. And according to the publisher, find your cabin assignment, ring out your swimsuit, and relive the days of canoeing, friendship bracelets, friendship bracelets, and s'mores with Summer Camp, a game by Phil Walker Harding. Summer Camp is a competitive deck-building game where players race to earn merit badges and collect the most experience points to win. Each player has their own deck of cards to play, and as the game progresses, you will add new cards to your deck to make it even stronger. Summer Camp changes each playthrough because the game includes seven different merit badge decks along with the basic deck. Each game uses three marriage badge decks that can be mixed. Merit badge, not marriage badge, but keep going. Mer- sorry. How many times did I say that? Ooh, that's embarrassing. Each game uses three merit badge decks. That I've got that on my mind because of my anniversary. It's, a, it's a ringing in my brain like a bell. Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> Each game uses three merit badge decks that can be mixed and matched for unique gameplay scenarios. To win, players much, must earn the most camp experience points, points that are gained by claiming merit badges, advancing your pawns along the merit paths, and buying cards. Devise your strategy, build the best card combination to outplay your opponents, and rule the summer as the ultimate camper. So I kept that one long because I felt like it did a very good job of kind of actually having a a broad sense of the game. Each, Each merit badge that you're going after has a path on it that you are moving a pawn across. Right. The cards in your deck are what move you across that path. And as you go along the path, there's different bonuses and different bridges to cross, things like that, that can give other merit badges. And the first person to, well, the game ends when one person has accumulated all three of the merit badges in the game. And then everybody else uh, gets to play it out. Yeah, so I'm going to approach this a little bit differently than we have with past episodes because the game is so new, right? Most of our recommended games of the week are games that have been out for at least a year and have been thoroughly reviewed. But this game just came out. It's currently a Target exclusive in North America. And you have three different tracks that you have these little meeples and you're playing cards out of your hand and and racing along those tracks. 
And once you get all three past a certain milestone, a bridge in the game, you get a, a badge, a, a merit badge. And if I get there first, mine's going to be worth more points than Doug's. So you're rewarded for moving your characters and progressing them along at a similar or same time. And I love the that mini race aspect that, that's in the game. Because although the game is just you know, came out. We we've played this several times now. It's yep. one that, you know, we both have in our collection and Well and sometimes you play a game that you know you know, the first time after I played it, I'm like I knew. I'm like, this is yeah. a recommended game. It's Let's widely available. It does put it's it through hitting, our criteria. It's hitting all of the right it's areas. Affordable, you know? fun, easy to teach, fast. Yep. Yeah. What else do you like about the game, Doug? All right, here's my here's my laundry list. I'll just give it to you straight up. I love the artwork. It's a it's a it's not a cartoony style, but it's campy. It, it's, it's campy. It's a, yeah, it's a very very evocative of the theme and I think it works really well and it it fits. You know, sometimes there's games that have artwork that doesn't match the the weight of the game and the the level of the game, how difficult it is. Sometimes you get a game I remember there was a game that came out uh, a while ago called Happy Pigs by Yellow. Oh, sure. And it's so cute and adorable, and it's a pretty it's cut, a hard game. <laughs> cutthroat game. Oh. You know, and then there's other ones where it's like they've got all the, you know, Jonah the Demon Slayer with all this heavy artwork that's not necessarily approachable for families. I haven't played he, that one yet. No, but Is that a real game, or did no, you make no, it No, I'm just saying that okay. there's, you know, it's full of, full of demons and gore, but the game is rather simple. That's mm. like if it had a different theme or different artwork, more people could enjoy the game. And this one, I feel like the artwork tells you exactly what kind of game that you're getting in the box. There's no confusion from yep. that. Um, I love the replayability. There's two, yeah. two different parts of this. Is As I mentioned, there's seven different decks that you use to create, uh, that you can use to create the game but you're only using three of those decks each time. So there's replayability on two levels. One is those cards, and each each deck kind of has a different theme to it of and, how and it works. They sure do tell more about that. So like the friend, there's a friendship uh, merit badge that you can get. Those cards are really powerful cards, but then you either have to give them away to people. Or they, they, they help they help you the most, but then they also help the other players at the table. Yeah. So, so if you're playing the friendship with the uh, water sports or the adventure, two other decks where there are a lot of movement cards in there, a player can progress. You can have a monster turn. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so there's like a cooking, there's a cooking badge that you can get, and those tend to focus more towards energy and snack bars which are kind of the currency of the game to to draw new cards um so they're they all kind of have a little different function to them or, or area that they excel in you know and once you combine different ones together that's a whole new puzzle to kind of figure out of how can i work these two or th these three different decks together to my advantage there's uh, not to interrupt your laundry list, but there's one thing that I really love about this game that I think you're highlighting on here. And this game combines the marketplace with the race elements in it in a way that there aren't many other games in my collection that do that, that I can play with my kids. Yeah. Right. There's a marketplace where you can buy cards out of your hand 
and I'm also racing on three different tracks. So, oh, do I want to advance on the water sports one additional track, or do I want to use that as a currency in the marketplace to buy a card yeah. that's also going to give me points at the end? I really like that aspect. Yeah, of the, you can you you can choose to use a card without using the action on it to count as an energy, yep. or you can use the card for the action on it. And there's a an interesting dynamic there. The other puzzle part of this game, or the replayability, is that the paths that you create for each merit badge are three different tiles. So there are nine tiles in the game, and they come out randomly every time you play the game. And the bonuses on these paths are you can draw a new card, you can move another one of your campers one space, or you can draw, you get uh, Get an energy bar. Yeah, a snack bar. And so the way that the order that these are laid out and the way that you can kind of chain them off each other and okay well i can move this one here and i land on this bonus which allows me to move another one which allows me to draw a card you know and then depending on the decks that are in play well maybe that card allows me to use the snack bars that i drew earlier in the turn as double points yep this round so the replayability is off the charts on this one you're not going to get bored with it well and add in a player Right, you and I played a few games together with two players. We brought in your your daughter and played. That that really changed the game. Yeah, because when you have a third player going to the marketplace and you're racing against a third player, yeah, suddenly the 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 strategy decisions and and am I going to purchase or move that that those decisions are change. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's so a there, I think that goes to the replayability. There is a great tension in this game throughout that's that perfect level of it's like I to me one of the the hallmarks of a perfect game and certainly something that we would be recommending is this idea that I call is just like this undercurrent of tension which is the tension of the race the tension of there's something I want to do but I may not get to do it or I hope I can have a great turn and it's just it's just subtle Mm -hmm. you know you can play games where that tension is through the roof and it's a brain burner, and it stresses you out. You know, some real-time games where it's just like, right. and, and and just, it can be more stressful. At the same time, I don't want something where it's just, you know, we're just chit-chatting because the game is so, um, is is not firing any of my brain cells off. Right. You know, so this game has that perfect level of, I'm antsy. You want to do well in the race. But not to the point that it's crippling or overwhelming. It's a fun, fun antsiness. And the there's an end in sight. As with other games that Phil Walker Harding has designed, Sushi Go and Silver and Gold, it really is 30 minutes. And once you know how to play, it, it's 20 to 30 minutes. I like that about this game. It's something that you can bring into the school environment, whether you're homeschool, game school, after school program, or library, and get it done in one sitting. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing I've got on my list here, which I, I touched on a, a little bit already, but the thematic elements of this game work. Everything makes sense, right? There's a lot of cool, um, mem- you know, down memory lane summer camp things. You know, you're, you're talking about canoeing and archery and those type of things. But 
the idea that the cooking deck is about getting more energy, yeah. that the food gives you more energy, that thematic tie, the idea that the friendship stuff is helping everybody. Yeah, the de- the decks are very, very tight to the theme. You know, so I like that. You know, the games, there's a little bit of, there's tug of war stuff in there, and the arts and crafts are about making things and spending things. Right. Right. You if you make, discard, you, you can, can move further. You can yeah. make the macaroni sculpture, which then allows you to traded in for other stuff so there's that thematic i always think that's such a great thing in games too where the cards the theme the atmosphere of the game is intuitive based on everything that's going on did you ever go to sleepaway camp doug uh not sleepaway camp no summer camp i did go to like a boy scouts summer camp a couple and basketball camp i went to in the summer yeah we didn't do crafts there though no no, just drop step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just two, drop step up and under. Yeah. Go ahead. 200 lunges a day just to get those leg muscles nice and tender. Where did you go to basketball <laughs> no, camp? Just, My yeah. goodness. All right. Um, 3,000 Hindu squats to, to this start. This is a game, though, that I think if you have it on your shelf, your kids are going to want to go and play it. Yep. And it... I, I I don't want to just jump into a nitpick here with it, but it's one that you really need to open up, get the cards out so that people can see it. Um, not to just say that album art is everything, but this one sat on our coffee table for about a week, and usually when we have a recommended game that's on our coffee table, a kid's picking it up, and when can we play, when can we play? So I think as the adult, you might need to open it up and get the cards out and lay the yep. tiles out, and people will want to jump in. So I've got one more thing that I like, but I do want to jump in here with a couple of nitpicks. One of them, and one is kind of a cool and not cool, which is each of the seven decks comes in their own tuck box. Yeah. And in the box is the cards for that deck and they shake, the, rattle, and roll. the merit badges. Kind of cool. That being said, the card quality could be a little bit better. That being said, you're being way too nice, Doug. Well, it's a tw- I, it's a twenty five dollar game. I, no, Michael, I get so. it, but that's my biggest nitpick. And well, we I talked it about a, it. It the, is the first a, time we played with the cards sticking together. Now I love what you did here. I don't know if you want to give a shout out to what sleeves these are, but Doug put them in some green sleeves. Like they are just Dragon fantastic. Realm or Dragon sleeves. Well done, know. Doug and Dragon Realm. But the cards, that's my only nitpick with it because in a deck builder like this, you're constantly having to shuffle your cards. And whether you have sticky hands, big hands, little hands, the cards don't shuffle well. Yeah. You know? it's, and, it's such a hard thing, too, of, of a nitpick when you're talking about card games and a card deck. It's like, are these going to hold up? Yes, they're going to hold up. They're not. That, for the, how many, the amount of times that you're playing this... I mean, you could play it 50 times. You're going to see degradation. Hey, man, I'm not trying to come at you reckless here, but I'll tell you this right now. If this is in a school setting, it's going You're gonna it's have to gonna sleeve get it. chewed up. You yeah. have to yeah. sleeve it. You have to. It's a must-do. So get the sleeves when you get the game. The sleeves might actually cost half as much as the game, but put sleeves on it right away. Well, and here's my caveats to that. One, I 100% agree with you that in a school setting, sleeve— but. To be fair, in a school setting, sleeves are going to be probably required on most games. Yeah. Especially a card game like yeah. this. The other thing that I'm not going to beat this game up for is it's $25. Yeah. If if you're paying $50 for this game and the cards came, you know, were not 
great. You'd be complaining. Like I'd be me. complaining. But at the same time, it's like you're spending twenty five dollars. I got it on sale for eighteen. Wait uh, sh- Shortly after it came out, um, and to me, I think the hard part is is saying a nitpick of cards is everybody's scale of that is different, and without being able to feel them. I get it here. I don't let, want let people. Me, I don't want people to think that they're more specific. Hold on, I want. I want to make sure that people don't think that these are construction paper cards. Oh, not at all. You know, so our level of what we're saying as from gamers. So if you're not in the gaming world, gamer quality, these are not the greatest cards in the gamer universe. To Joe Blow quality, I think they're fine. Yeah, I don't know Joe Blow. But what I'll say is this: You're gonna have kids shuffling the cards. It's it's my only nitpick of the game. Yeah, I, we we are recommending this game so highly. It just came out a few weeks ago, and we've played it a bunch. We love it. We we just got done playing it with your daughter again. We've played every single deck. We've tried multiple strategies. Yep. The game holds up. But if we're going to just love on the game that much i want folks to know that's my one complaint when i walked in today and i saw that you had these nice green sleeves on it i thought oh i I wanted to play it even more so i'm just trying to be clear about my my one gripe yeah i think we have to i i think we have to say it and and i'm not trying to shy away from it because i think that they're but i also don't want to create the wrong impression that the game is hot garbage because of it the game's awesome so there's there's a fine line of saying oh i'm gonna stay away from that because they said that the but my standards are high yeah i I am picky i'm particular i don't don't let that nitpick steer you away from the game is my concern i don't want people to be steered away from the game we are wholeheartedly recommending this oh absolutely so don't don't be thrown off by that that nitpick And, and be clear this this speaking here, I, I'm Michael, not Doug. All right, I'm the guy. I won't drink hotel coffee. I'll walk two two miles to get a good cup of coffee. I, I so my standards are high, you know, and, and that's all that I'm <laughs> mine, saying. Mine are low. No, I'm not saying that. I think we just um, we're looking at it through through slightly different lenses. Uh, it, it is a fantastic game. You said you had another positive. Yeah. I have another one too. The so. last thing I want to say is that this is. A, what I would consider a great step-up game, okay? So the same thing that Phil Walker-Harding did for Sushi Go is kind of what this does for deck-building games. Now, I don't think it's the best one. I think Harry Potter or the Toy Story ones from USAopoly or the Op are better because they... At teaching deck-building, you're saying? At teaching deck-building. Okay. But if you're looking for a basic deck-building game to start to branch out to something like clank or some of the uh marvel legendary some of those bigger more strategy ones i mean even a, i i would even throw this one out before i went to the quest for el dorado by uh dr reiner Knizia. you know that type Ding. of thing it's a great step up game of introducing a concept of deck building in a very understandable and approachable way to push people further into the hobby yeah, and my my plus was going to be if you are looking for a two to four player game that can be played in twenty five minutes or less that can be bought for twenty five dollars or less, you will not find a better game on the market right now. When you look at those constraints and parameters, it, it's it's a full game. That's yeah. the other thing. It's not oh we played it once. Okay, now we need to move on to something else. The first time you get done playing summer camp, I'll speak for myself. Let me use some strong eye language. As soon as we got done playing, I wanted to play again. 
And it wasn't, oh, I think I can wait till next week. And I think you, you, you had the same reaction. It was like, should we play again? Yep. And that I cannot give higher praise for a game than that. Yeah. You know, when you can go out and get a game cheaper than buying two DiGiorno's, right? That, that's what you're, you're getting this board game. Now, maybe you get the three pack at a store. Okay. I digress. Bad example there. But you're going to get a lot of good out of this board game. Well, I've got, I've got five people in my family. This game costs less than going to Culver's. If you yeah. are in the Midwest, it's a fast food chain with a, a sit-down fancy fast food, if there ever were a thing. This game is cheaper than taking my family there for, for one meal. <laughs> this game lasts, yeah. you know, one game of this lasts longer than my meal lasts in me. And then the last thing I think we need to tell our listeners before we get into skills, tell them what Emily thought of it. Oh, you, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. She was taunting us halfway through the game because she knew she was doing well. Yeah. And I think that level of, of engagement and confidence and fun, uh, it was great to see. Well, it that, was great to see. That's, yeah, that's worth and, the purchase in a game like this. And watching the strategy develop. Yeah. Of, okay, now I'm learning how I can play these cards out to my advantage. And, you know, just a little bit of coaching. And by the end of the game, that was clear of, okay, I'm going to do this first to then do that. And that that type of thinking is definitely cool to watch develop. So this game is full of skills, skills that we think your kids and students can learn from. What five skills do you have? You want me to just give you all five right now? No, or are yes, we short give on them. time? <laughs> are we short on time? I'm looking at you. What, what, are we going to usually volley back and forth? No, uh, I need them all now. Okay. No, here's what I did. Do is you want I them had, in alphabetical order? No, for I had number? so many yeah. that I have seven I, on my list. I thought I was just going to riff off of you. Really hard to pare down. Logistics is the first one, a game that allows students to manage production flow between the point of origin and consumption on every turn when you are moving along those paths. I, I, I have to do the, the calculation and the computation of what bonuses am I going to get when I play a certain card and in which order. Yep. And that flow of logistics is awesome. And, and I liked playing with three-player better than two-player because I had a little bit of time to shuffle the cards in my hand of, oh, if I move on the water, that's going to give me an extra card. Yeah. But if I, if I move on the other track, it's going to give me an energy bar and kind of get things in order. So that's well, definitely a skill that's in here. And I saw your daughter improve in that area as she was playing. She became more efficient. Yeah, yeah. So Well, and I think, yeah, especially the idea of how you're – it's one thing there, – there's something to be said about the logistics because this is one of them on my list too, the logistics of the, the full game race of how do I get from A to B. It's the other part of the bonuses along the way yep. like you're talking about is how can I – use these bonuses to my advantage and and the idea of knowing so you can each merit badge track has cards that you can buy specifically for that track yes, right yes so knowing what's in your deck and what you may be deficient in it's like i do not have enough movement on the water sports deck yep and knowing that I think is also part of the logistics of i need to get a little bit more of that so i can become more efficient 
and start moving on that track as well as I am on the other one. Or when you play the card that allows you to move any character in any space, you're always going to play it on the water track. Yeah, so yeah. those are the little pieces. Or that... if there's advantages of can I play that card on this one to move in because it gives me a bonus there, which to me is another one that piggybacks on it very similar is the spatial perception yep. of following where your people are where your campers are and where you can move them and how you can piggyback those bonuses off one another to make up for some deficiencies that you may have. So how do you see spatial perception as a skill improving as gamers would play this game over time? How, how do you see that in the game? I think being able to be more aware of where those bonuses are <laughs> and how you can use them to your advantage. And I think sometimes pain is a great teacher. Right. In the yep. first game that we played, I got way out in front on one track. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, yeah. I we both I, learned very early that <laughs> the idea of dominating on one, on one track, because at the, the thing about it is at the end of if you get one of your uh, campers to the very end, all of the cards that have movement for, for that, that track. track are essentially kind of useless. You can they're one energy. That's what you can use them for. Well, and you must get all three campers into that. Final zone. Final zone because there are bonus points each space along the way. Yeah. So when I'm saying I, I learned about spatial perception with that game because I had one camper that didn't make it into the final zone. So you're, you're triple penalized. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I have competition. Yep. I think within the game, those little races, uh, there are two – what what – do they refer to them in the rule book as anything? I, they're, uh, the, they're, the, they're, they're these bridges that when you get all three of your campers to the bridge, you get one. The, one we is talked a, about earlier. Yeah, but. one is a, a participation badge that you get, and the other one is like a gamer all star or game uh, camper all star camp all star. Yeah, camp all star badge that you can get. So there are little bonuses along the way. So the the track is divided into three separate areas, separated by a bridge, and if you get all three of your campers. Across the first bridge, you're going to get a participation badge. And if you get all your campers past yep. the second bridge, you're going to get a camp all-star badge. here's the competition. It's eight points for that participation. And, and, and it drops down. And it drops down to four and two. Yep. Which I, I like because who, who wants a, a, do we really need a participation badge for fourth place? No, you got fourth place. You stink. You're lousy. Well, and, and there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, if you play with, I mean. yeah, if you play that's with four I mean. players, there's only three of those badges to go around. So we've talked about this on our show, and we're both 80s babies. So we grew up in an era where every single person, no matter what, got a certificate. It's like we're the worst team in the league. Why are we getting certificates and ribbons? Because you played. Because you played, right? And I like that about this game, that the the races within the game have a nice little tension and competition, and it builds. The game yeah. is very well balanced. As you're purchasing cards out of the market, if, if, if I don't pay attention to how many points those cards are worth at the end of the game, that will catch up to me. So yeah. I, I like the different levels and layers of competition in the game. I think it's yeah. it's very healthy competition, too. Yeah. There's not taunting. There's not teasing. You got a race. Let's go. Yeah, there can be. And, and there's pretty big swings, too. There's, there's times where you can be behind and... And, and, and have a turn. really good turn, and then all of a sudden you're right back in it. So there's never a point where even if you're even if you're behind, you're not behind by that much that it gets. Usually, if you're behind, you're also building up the cards that are helping you move ahead. Yeah. And so eventually, your turn is going to come where you're going to finish out and get 
catch back up to the path. So you're never out of it for that long, which I like. And one of my daughters is a major perfectionist, and that's where sometimes games that are hyper-competitive, she'll be a little bit hesitant to play. And I I want – I haven't brought this to the table with her yet, but I want to see how she reacts to it because I think the competition is balanced well for that tweenager, teenager. Yeah. One of the other things I have is resource management. And this comes into play. This is a game that boosts the student's capacity to efficiently and effectively oversee available assets. So you've got a couple things going on here that you're managing. One of them is your cards. Each, each hand that you get, you're drawing five cards. And you have to decide on a very simple level whether you're going to use those for the action or for energy to buy new cards. You also have snack bars that you can use in a pinch for energy and sometimes for movement. So you got to figure out how to do that. Sometimes do you want to spend a snack bar and forego movement to get maybe a better card from one of the decks to then improve? And all of those things and those decisions, and you're not even talking about the resources of the bonuses on the board that you're trying to manage and say, okay, can I get here to draw an extra card? With that extra card, I might be able to do this. So there's a lot of... um, well, resource management that's going on. Do you also have risk management? I do, yes. Okay, yep. okay. And I have, not to just skip past resource management, but everything that you just said, I would also slide into and add on to the risk management uh, definition, which is a game in which students must identify, evaluate, and prioritize options to reduce the impact of unfortunate events or risks. And that purchasing out of the marketplace and, and knowing when to move which character um, as, as the campers start to approach the bridge, it's, I can buy a really good card out of the marketplace or I could be the first one to the bridge. Is Doug going to be able to get to the bridge? Is his yeah. daughter going to get to that bridge? That evaluation and prioritizing, it's not in every deck builder. It, yeah. it, it's really not in the family-friendly ones that, that have played, and it's in summer camp in abundance. Yeah, the another one that I have that fits into that, too, is that idea of tactical thinking, which is, is pretty much in any deck builder because you don't know what you're going to draw. You know, you flip over, and then so you have to deal with— Are you writing another book that I'm not aware of just titled yes. Tactical Thinking yes. by Doug Kotecki? Yeah, because by Sir Douglas Kotecki. Because I feel like you're, you're trying to increase the, the SEO and the search <laughs> optimization. If he Are, says tactical thinking in every episode— Well, well yeah. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. It's certainly in here. Go ahead. Yeah, t- I mean, any, anytime it. you have a deck builder, you're— you, you don't know what you're going to be drawing into your hand. The variables are constantly changing. And then, you know, it's like as much as I would love to advance on the cooking track, if I didn't draw any cooking cards, I got to figure out how I'm going to utilize what I've got. Um, that whole chicken salad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's in there. Do you got and anything else? And it's a else? challenge. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a... It is a happy challenge of the game, that tactical thinking, whereas in some games, it's painful. It's not a fun challenge. It's like, oh, I have to deal with this so that I can get to there. Yeah. Um, no, I would just like to write the foreword for that book, Tactical okay, Thinking yeah. by Doug Kotecki, if that's okay. Um, I have. I actually have three more. Well, two more, risk management. I have responsiveness, which is uh, a game that tests a student's mental reaction time. You can't sleep. You can't check in on your phone or have a game on in the background and be truly engaged in this game for the 25 to 30 minutes that you're playing, play the game. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to miss out on what's going on. Um, it moves fast. It does. And then time management. 
yep. uh, is a game that improves students' ability to organize and plan how long they spend on specific activities before running out of time. A, a thing that I think I like, but once I play the game with four players as a full family, I'll, I'll report back on more later, um, equal number of turns, right? So there, if Doug gets all three campers to the end, we each have one more turn, unless... He went last to start the game. Yep. So I think once the first player gets all three across that that second to last bridge, it starts a clock. Yeah. Um, that that I like. Yeah. That you, I think is is good. Yeah. The, the anytime you've got a finite number of turns, and it's one thing to say, okay, a game has five rounds. What are you going to do in the five rounds? That's one thing. That's and there's certainly some level of time management in there. But when you have an endpoint that is drawing near and it's a race, time becomes a real deal issue of how you're going to play out your last couple turns. Yeah. You're not a procrastinator, are you? It depends on what it is. Oh, really? I would have said no. Honey-do honey list, yeah. Oh, okay. I've <laughs> I've never been a procrastinator a day in my life. Like when you were in school, did you procrastinate and put oh, things up to yeah, the last minute? Oh, yeah, I was minute? a king of that. For real? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. A, see, a, oh. Night, a night before I got a giant term paper, let's pound it no out and way. get it done. No way. I'm the opposite. I'd want, it, I'd want it done a week before it's due. Oh, no. I skated through school. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and uh, But that's where the time management just evaluating what can I actually get done in the amount of time that I have. You're not going to get everything done in this game. So yep. you have to prioritize and just get get done what you can. All right. Well, that is a pretty robust list of... Nine of, different skills. Uh, you counted them out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got... I, okay. So that is uh, summer camp. Great job, Sir Dr. Phil Walker-Harding. <laughs> Sir Dr. Well, we're just really passing out the titles. Now. Game schooler credentialed. <laughs> All right, so that is Summer Camp by Buffalo Games, uh, exclusively available right now at Target, and we give this a Game Schooler recommendation. Go out and get it if you can. Probably going to make the Game Schooler Hall of Fame someday. Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we will be talking about area control. Doug, get us started. All right. Well, last week, we talked about uh, World's Fair 1893, and we talked about the idea of it having some area control elements to it. And so I thought we should dive in a little bit deeper on that topic and explain what it's about pros, cons, things like that. So area control can also be known as area majority or area influence. Sometimes people call it. I'm going to call it area control. Yeah, You're uh, trying to control a space on the board and yep. you get benefits when you do. So here's the kind of boilerplate definition. Players may occupy the same spaces and they gain benefits based on their proportional presence in the space. So sometimes... Whoa, read that again. Oh, it's very... This is a very good definition. Gain, players may occupy the same space, so a lot of people in the same space, but you are going to gain benefits based on their proportional presence in that space. So nice. if you've got more people in it, you may get a better a reward uh, for that and, or a better benefit. So the, 
sometimes and higher they, payout. Yeah, yeah, it kind of works in two different ways. Some games have it where there's a tier. So, for example, whoever's got the most is going to get five points. Whoever's got the next most is going to get three points. Sometimes there's ones where it's basically all or nothing. Whoever's gets, who has the most uh, workers here, the most uh, cubes here, whatever, may get everything, and and the rest of the people get nothing. Um, so that is generally what area control is. Uh, my question is, do you like area control games? I love area control games. Really? What do you yeah. like about it? I, I love the mini competitions that are in the game. Typically, too, if it's played over rounds, a uh, certain part of the board will either be, I don't want to say swept away, but there, there's little resets that take place. There's also some luck that is also involved, but that tactical skill that I was giving you a hard time about earlier, in area con- control games, there's usually a space where you can look to get an advantage. So where's everybody not trying to go? Okay, I'll go over there and set up based on the cards I have in my hand or the abilities that I have. I, 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 I want to just give two other um, caveats if you are teaching an area control game in a game schooling setting and there's an advantage if you've played an area control game before. So give those tips to gamers ahead of time yep. and point out the strategy during gameplay. In, in, in some games, I mean, it's very annoying to just hear people say, well, here's why I did exactly what I didn't know in an area control game when somebody's playing it for the first time. I really appreciate knowing why people are doing what they're doing. So when I've played games with you, you do a great job of explaining kind of your turns until I get the hang of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, if you ask me if I like area control games, I would say it depends. There's a lot of them that I like. There's some that I don't. And that's where it comes to me where Mm -hmm. the idea of, are there any issues with area control games? And here's, here's two things that, that deter me from liking an area control game. The first one is that sometimes they can be mean. Yes. depending on what the game setup is. But we were talking about uh, World's Fair. There's no real take that elements yeah. to it. So an area control where Michael can come along and take my cubes off, right. I don't like that. Like Catan has yeah. that, you know, where the the robber will do it. And yeah. yeah. Too much uh, of a stretch or no? That's not an area control. It's, yeah. I mean, that's an example of a take that. You know, somebody's yeah. taking stuff from you. But the idea of building up on a on an area where I've got, okay, now I've got 10 cubes and i got complete control, and then Michael takes a card that gets rid of half of my cubes, on, and now I'm in last place, not a real fun experience. and It doesn't really lend itself to educational atmosphere. Um, the other thing is that they can be complicated. Some of them are sure. complicated. So in looking at area control games, and I think next week this will probably be in the high five, is high five area control games. If you take area control and rig it by like BGG rank, you know, ranked by the users, only two of the first 25 are lower than a 3.0 rating Yeah, on weight. And that's on a five scale. So if board game geek people are saying that it's a three, that's a pretty heavy 
like yeah, gamer game. I have an average, but I would say out of the 31 episodes episodes we've done, the average is probably around a 2.1. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And, and the high would be maybe a 2.3 or a 2.4. So if you're saying two out of the top 25 games are at a weight of what? Three? So only... 23 out of the top 25 are a three or higher. Yeah. And the two of them that are not are like 2.8s. Okay. Okay. So that out of the first 25, that's heavy gamer games. And so that's one of the things that you can want. Now, I'm not saying that there's not great family friendly area control games in there, but they can tend to be complicated with the idea of you've got a whole bunch of people on a gigantic map and you've got some people yeah. in California, some in Wisconsin, you got this and you're trying to manage all that. All of that adds complexity. Um, so sometimes area control games can lean to that heavier side. So it's something to watch out for. And that is kind of that cutoff. I don't like heavy, for the most part, heavy area control games, but I'm not opposed to area control. Okay. That makes sense. Kind of. What what are some of the area control games that that you do enjoy? Do you have a few? Yeah, I mean, examples? Small World is yep. a and Small World is one where you're. Um, it's a, there's an interesting dichotomy. Small World is one where you've got a whole bunch of, uh, what do they call them? Races, tribes that you're expanding out onto a board. Except the whole point of the game is that on the next player's turn, they're going to gobble up some of your pieces. Sure. And then you're going to gobble up their pieces. And so it's built into every aspect of the game, so I don't mind it, and it doesn't feel vindictive or personal yep. because everybody's doing that across the board. It's arbitrary on whether I'm taking stuff from you or Jenna or anything like that. Um, so that one I don't mind. Because it doesn't say, I'm taking this card and I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, so there's you do that. not like that in games, do you? The take if, it's, that if it's short. Yeah. I mean, if it's short and we're all having fun, that's fine. But if you're A two stretching hour over... game and you've yeah, if you're stretching over, something, somebody... Yeah, if you're stretching yeah. over 10 minutes, I'd rather not. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind a, f- a fast card game where we're all um, messing each other up. So there's Small World, there's Las Vegas, a dice-rolling game. That's got area control in it. Ethnos, World's Fair, 1893, Mission Red Planet. Um, Bunny Kingdom has area control yep. elements, too. So there's a lot of, of games out there that are family-friendly that are area control. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, or I guess point out, is so you're talking about area control. What real-world skills can people pull out of an area control game? And here's one of the things that I think are in area control games. And it's a function of resource management. Because in a lot of ways, you're putting out, you have a set number of cubes, a set number of workers that you are putting in a place. You have to decide which places you're putting them in. And to me, it goes down the line of, how much do I have to spend for a perceived benefit? Sure. That whole concept, it's like the idea of sunk costs. It's like, is it worth me trying to put five guys in there to take control, or should I just let Michael have that? Yeah. Or maybe I can put five in there, and if I, or I can just keep nudging over there so he thinks I'm a threat, so I can keep stockpiling over there. And so, that, that type of thing, I think, has real-world implications when it comes to your wallet. 
Uh, yeah, ask me the question again because I have a very different answer, and I I got lost listening to your answer sure. because that, that was good. Go what ahead. is what are real world skills that players can learn from area control? Here's where I would answer it instantaneously. Yes, I I love area control games. Thinking about Bunny Kingdom, I really enjoy systems thinking and how different pieces work together. And typically in an area control game, I'm trying not to use just other gamer terms, but you are building an engine. You are looking to optimize a system, which will then have you take over a space on the board and getting rewarded for that. So real world implications, I think learning to see how pieces work together and fit together to get a reward whether that's you know p- people and faculty in the same department or, or kids in a lunchroom, yeah. it, th- that that's a, a real world implication um, th- that I see with it. All right. Anything else you want to talk about area control? No, I I'm a little taken aback that they are that heavily weighted. So it just it gets me thinking di- very differently about it because some of the games, whether it is a Bunny Kingdom or other games that we've talked about on our list or that we may have coming up. I don't associate it as being overly complex or difficult to teach. Um, so I think it's an area that where there are a lot more games that I need to play. Yeah. So yeah. maybe and then, then just to put a bow on it, uh, when we talk about advanced game schooling in, in that high school level, uh, it's just something that I need to learn more about so that we can come back to and, and have some resources and some things ready to go. So All right. That is Area Control in the School of Gaming. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. This week's High Five includes the top five list of family-friendly pirate games. The pirate went southern, then midwestern with a little Miss Doubtfire in there. Oh, did you hear all those, huh? Doug. Hey there. Tell us about your High Five list. How many did you bring into the High Five list today for pirate games? I got eight. Bring it. Five solid. Eight solid. Well, five solid. Uh, all right, so the first one that's on my honorable mention, just throwing these out there, Dead Man's Draw is a great push-your-luck game. I think it's based on an app that originally came out. You can get that on iOS, I think. Dead Man's Draw, look that up, is a good one. Uh, sea of Clouds is an interesting push-your-luck game as well where you're— Pirates in the Sky? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it is. And you're—it's uh, one of those games where you pick up a card and decide whether you want to keep it or bury it or— push your luck on if I want the next card or looking at piles and saying, yes, I want this and taking a risk on what you're adding. The last one is Catan Jr., which has a pirate theme on it. Um, You're getting cutlasses and uh, what else did you get in that game? I don't remember. I haven't, but it's been a little bit. So that that one is also pirate themed, but but not strong enough to make the list. Um, unfortunately, the ones on the top of the list, I don't think, may, definitely number one is not available, which oh, I, thanks, I apologize. Doug. But hey, you apologize, not, but you're going to say it anyway. So. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, I'm not going to hold it off the list and put garbage on there just because it's available. All right. What All do right, you got? Number five, Ship Shape by Calliope Games. I love Ship Shape. This is a game where you are building your cargo hold with. Uh, little foam tiles that you stack on top of each other. You're bidding with your pirates to see um, whether you're taking the top one off the stack or the, bo- or, the, or the second one, that type of thing. But you can only see down so far. And you're trying to fill in 
the foam tiles have spaces and gaps in it. It's a nine by nine grid, and some of some of the cargo holds are filled in. And you're trying to stack these shapes on top of each other to create your cargo hold for that round. And you're trying to place them so you're not covering up stuff that you've already gotten. You might want to cover up rats that are negative points, that type of thing. It's just a great fast game, family game. Uh, it's not too in-depth. There's a lot of luck. If 20 minutes, 8-year-old yeah. plus. Yeah. Rob Davio's Ship Shape is a great game. Yeah, if you're going into it thinking that you're going to be playing this deep, heavy strategy, no. you picked out the wrong game. And that's a 1.5 out yeah. of, yeah. So, and then number four is Jamaica. Jamaica is a racing game in which you're trying to get around the island of Jamaica. Each turn you have three or four cards in your hand and each side of the, the left and the right hand of the card has numbers on it or uh, uh, symbols, sorry, symbols on it. And each turn that you're going to roll two dice and whoever's the start player is going to determine whether what number goes on the right side and what number goes on the left side. And that's going to correspond to the actions that are on your cards. So you may move forward six and then move backwards two or get six cannons um, and two food or that type of thing. And so you're constantly jockeying to try and move ahead and collect bonuses, get treasures. If you stop on the same space as somebody else, you might have a battle. So just a good, fast, fun game with uh, some interesting thinking and choices in there. Number three was out of print, but is going to be coming back into print, and that's Dead Men Tell No Tales. This is by um, Kane Klinko, I think, is uh, is the designer of that one. And this one is, think Pirates of the Caribbean kind of combined with uh, Pandemic, in a way. It's a cooperative game, and you are trying to I believe get treasure off the boat before it sinks. It's on your, your boat is on fire. There's ghost pirates on it, and you're trying to collect treasure and get off the boat. What did you um, combine Pirates of the Caribbean with? What pandemic? Okay, cool. So, so it's a cooperative, yep, yeah, cooperative right. game. Um, so a good one that's going to be coming back in print. That's by Renegade's going to be doing it. Great. A little bit of an unfortunate thing. The the publisher of that game passed away, oh. and so all of those games were kind of in limbo. Was it Northstar or who? No, no. Minion um, Games? Minion is, Games, yeah, okay. yeah. So I know that Renegades picked that one up, and they're, they're going to be putting that out, oh, I think, good. towards the end of the year. Number two is Black Fleet. Black Fleet is one of those that made the list because it feels— the last two games really feel like pirate games to me. In Black Fleet, you are running around from to different islands to collect goods and steal goods and deliver them to different ports. Meanwhile, the, the players have control over the, um, I don't know what the right word, I want to say the, the lawmen of okay. the, the, the British naval fleet type of thing that can kind of arrest your neighbors and cause problems for it. So you're... I'm pretty sure you you have a merchant ship that you're trying to get, but you also control a pirate ship that can kind of steal goods from other people and and mess people over. So it's got that um, cutthroatness on the high seas. Now I just pulled this up on on Board Game Geek. It says three to four players only. Is that yeah. is that okay? So interesting. Great components. It comes with metal coins and oh, I love metal the coins. plastic ships hold the goods in it. Just really, yeah. really nice. I think it was one of the first games that actually did that. 
What's number one, Doug? Number one is Pirate's Cove. Ah, yes. Classic from Days of Wonder. Always makes me feel like that is piratry in a family-friendly board game. You know, piratry. Yeah, nice. There's a lot of pirate games that are in-depth and have a lot of stuff going on and are really <laughs> pirate simulations. Yeah, you could this have is, stopped at there's a lot of pirate games. Yes, that's <laughs> Go too. ahead, sorry. But that's why lot, we have a theme. There's, there's a lot of heavy pirate games. You, yeah. This is a family-friendly one, and basically you have a little um, the ship's wheel that then everybody is secretly deciding which island they want to go to on a turn. And some of the islands build up your ship. Some of them give you tar- uh, give you treasure. And so everybody picks it, and then you reveal it. Well, if two people are going to the same one, they're, f- they're going to be fighting for it. And so that's where those ship upgrades come in, and, and you're fighting back and forth. And it's just fun. You yeah. know, it just really has that theme of you can go to an island and bury, bury treasure for points. Uh, all of that type of stuff that just great, you know, it has that great Days of Wonder production. Um, and I, I just wish that they would reprint this and I'd be happy to get a new upgraded version of this. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? If there was yeah. a big box, you'd go after it. Yep. So I'll do a five to one recap coming in at five, 2019 Rob Davio's Ship Shape from Calliope. That one has a weight of 1.5. Coming in at number four, Jamaica, 2007. This is Malcolm Braff, Braff, B-R-A-F-F, Bruno Cathala, and Sebastian Pochon. That has a weight of 1.65. I didn't write down who published that. Gameworks? Space yes. Cowboys have it as well. Yep. yep. All right. And just uh, looping back, ship shape is one word if you're looking it up, but Google will help you out with that. Coming in at number three, Dead Men Tell No Tales, 2015, Kane Klenko, that's with a K. And as Doug just shared with us, Renegade Games will be picking that up and coming out with another version of that very soon. Number two, a game that's been on my want-to-play list for a couple years now, and that is Black Fleet, 2014 release by Sebastian Bleasdale. Uh, put up, published by Space Cowboys. That also has a weight of under 2 at 1.95. And coming in at number 1 from Days of Wonder 2002 in their golden era of games is Pirate's Cove by Paul Randalls and Daniel Stahl. All right. Well, that is the High Five Pirate Games. I think it's a pretty good list. Yeah, it really is. Uh, that You... and. You pulled more from your honorable mention and and left some out for sure. There are a lot of pirate games. That so. is true. So thanks for doing the research on that, Doug. Yeah, no problem. Just a reminder to subs- first of all head over to our website if you haven't been there. We've got our recommended games. We got blog posts. The podcast goes up there. A lot of information, articles, things like that. Ways for you to get in contact with us. Ask us questions. Say nice things. Say rude things. I don't care. Well, and let us know how you're gaming to build skills in the classroom, home, library. How are you game schooling with kids? And what type of skills are they starting to build? We're interested. Yep. So do that. Subscribe to our podcast. You can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter. We're at GameSchoolerU. Anything else that I've left off that laundry list there? Go get some salmon this weekend. I'm looking forward to, to eating some salmon. For you. Yeah, that's what I wanted to there hear. There you go. Now get out there and start game schooling.